0: It's good to see all of you today. Thank you for coming. Uh, I want to talk today about the nature and the purpose of the church or the local assembly. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians chapter 14 today. These past few days has once again reminded me, and some of you, the importance of the local assembly. Now, when we use the word church, we really don't know exactly what we're talking about because when we use the word church, we're talking about all of the redeemed. You can be saved and not being and not assemble with anyone. I think we can accept that as true. Now, we can make the argument of why would you, but nonetheless, we can accept the fact that there are saved people that do not assemble for whatever reason. But today I want to talk about what the purpose of the assembly is. I read an article this week that is... Heartbreaking and startling as well. When I tell you what it said, I think you can agree with me that it is heartbreaking. There are some that are speculating that 30 years from now, there will be about one third of the Southern Baptist churches in existence that are in existence today. Now, that is a very startling notion but just as you remember what happened to the shopping mall remember the shopping malls I mean I was on Highland the other day and I looked over at the mall and of course as a man I grieve Sears is gone but there has been a dramatic change in the landscape of the malls in America but more significantly there has been a Belief among this generation that the local assembly is no longer really necessary. The argument is, is I can be spiritual, I can be a Christian and never assemble with other believers. Do I believe that's possible? Yes, I do believe it's possible. Do I believe it's a good thing? I do not believe it's a good thing. Westover as an entity is important because when people drive through this community, they see a steeple. And if you've noticed the the design of our steeple, all steeples are not identical, but our steeple is designed in such a way that at the very bottom is larger than at the very top. And if you know what that means, it means the closer we get to God, the smaller we are. And that's the way it was designed. But more importantly, when people drive through this community, they see that steeple. That's a witness. Whether, whether it's a day we're assembling or not, that is a witness. Recently, I was in Florida several months ago, and I was looking at a plan for a new community in Florida. And it was, it was a grand design. I was just enamored with it. I like building anyway, buildings and building those buildings, and it was fascinating to me. And it was a well-planned, a gated, a rather uh, large community that was being set forth and you could you could already get on the bottom floor of the planning and purchase a lot and and, and the house and so, many, so forth for this new community. It had shopping uh, it, it had all kinds of different things in it. It had parks it had places for people to walk and to exercise and to, to take their dogs now, all these things were there. It had all the amenities and amenities. It even had a hospital that would be there and then a, another clinic that would be in the community. Do you notice anything missing? Church. Church. No church. You can walk to God, but you can't. Now, now, you may think that's rather, rather strange that I bring that up, but it's really not. Because... There was a time in our history as a country that when we planned a community, we planned for there to be a church in the middle of that community. But we don't do that. We don't do that anymore. So I need to make an argument to my grandchildren and to their generation and to kids a little bit older and to old folks too. From Scripture what the purpose of the assembly is. Now if you were to ask the Acrid family they saw they already knew but they saw what the purpose of the assembly was in part. It's, it's to be an encourager to those who are grieving. It is to come alongside them when they're hurting and, and to say that we We care about you. We're God with skin on. We're there. We we want to meet as many needs as we possibly can meet. Now what's going to happen is as the smaller churches disappear. How many of you remember the Ma and Pa grocery store? Amen? Now you go through the countryside today and you're not going to see many of those at all. They're gone. So... So what 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 is happening? is is kind of the supermarketization of the church, where you're going to have mega churches. I mean, there's going to be your West Jacksons. That's not really a mega church and mega church thinking, but but to us it might be. You're going to have your large churches. They're going to be there. And folks will be able to slip through the cracks without ever being known. I went to, uh, we were talking about this earlier, me and someone else. And this is not a slam on them. It's not a slam on, on uh, First Baptist. But just, let me just say this to you. Small churches are the lifeblood of this country. They are. Yeah. You can take 20 small churches and do more than one large church can do. You can take 20 small churches Mm -hmm. and have 10 leaders in them, Mm -hmm. and you've got 200 leaders. I defy you to take a church of 1,000 and find 200 leaders in. You will not. In fact, I talked to pastors of large churches. Uh, you know, I was a big shot for about a year, as y'all know. You may have not known it, but for a year, I was a big shot. I was a president of this situation. And I talked to these guys. I said, well, how many have you have coming on Sunday nights? Well, we have uh, about 35 for How many you have on Sunday morning? 800. Wow. So that's not evidence for leaders or not having leaders, but it's just a reminder that the small church, the small assembly, okay, is important. And that's why I want to use it today because I'm not talking about saved folks that don't go to church, I'm talking about the assembly today. And I'm talking about the purpose of the assembly. And I'm telling you, I'm just as excited that there's whatever's here than if there were 300 here. It makes no difference to me because a, an assembly is an assembly. Amen. All right? That's right? So let's look today at the Word of God and let's ask this question together for this generation and future generations Whose idea was it that we assemble? Right, don't don't jump ahead there. <laughs> who who whose idea was that? Because I always think you know that maybe that was Brother Stan's idea. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe, maybe he cooked that up so he can get paid every week. I mean, I mean, well, who who whose notion is this whole shebang? I didn't use shebang in a long time. What is shebang? But shabang! You know, there was, uh, there, was a, there was a statement being made on ESPN for a while, and I watched too much ESPN. I know it got into one of my sermons. But who's, <laughs> whose idea was this whole shabang anyway? <laughs> uh, you know, does it matter in Europe that when you go to Europe that whole countries now have taken their places of assembly... And either turn them into multifamily housing or coffee houses. Mm-hmm. Well, right? Does it? Does it even matter? Of course it does. We know it does. So let's look at First Corinthians chapter fourteen. Now, before I get here, let me just let me just tell you that the Corinthian church had the spiritual gifts and the. Those spiritual gifts were working, but they also had a lot of paganism in the church. The goddess Aphrodite, you may recall her to some degree from myth, was a sensual Greek goddess. And she had affected this seaport, and it was a seaport town. If you've ever been to San Francisco, it's different than Henderson, Tennessee, is just let me tell you that. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a seaport. Uh, Corinth was a seaport, and it had everything. It had every, it had a shopping mall. It had you know it had all the things, all the trappings of a, of a city. And uh, in fact, uh, sin had reached the level that to be a real sinner, you had been Corinthianized. Be like saying you had been Westoverized. Well. you have been Corinthianized. You're 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 really you really are a sinner. They had even temple prostitution. Grandkids don't ask me about that later. Temple prostitution. I mean, they had it all there, but they had spiritual gifts too. <laughs> And so in the midst of all that mess, God was working. And so when we get to this chapter 14, I want to back up just a little bit uh, before that. Because I want to draw your attention to this notion of the whole assembly. Because if you see the word church, verse 23. Do you see that verse 23? It might have the word church there. It may not, but it might chapter 14 verse 23. When we get to the word church, the word that's being used is there, used there is the ecclesia, which literally means the called out ones. but it has another meaning. It means the assembly because if you look at verse 23 it says, "When the whole called out ones, what come together, What's coming together? That's, that's, this is it. This is it. You were where you were this week, working in what you do this week, uh, hating every minute of it this week. No. no. <laughs> and, and you were going through all you were going through this week, and now we're assembling. And we know, we know there's a reason for it, but pay attention to that. When you come together. When you come together. So, Verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, be being infants and evil, but in your thinking be mature. So let me just stop there for a moment. What is my role as pastor? Well, it's to help you to grow up, right? So I'm going to model grown-up behavior. Uh, it's not easy for me to do because I'm not really grown-up myself. But we're talking here in the spiritual realm. I'm the model... Spiritual grown upness. I'm putting all kinds of stuff together today. I'm I'm, I'm to model what it is to be an authentic and true believer in Jesus Christ who's not perfect, but is demonstrating that he's growing in the Lord. And therefore, I am to impart to you what you need to grow in Christ and to become mature in him. And there's a whole lot at stake here because if you don't grow up, that little wolf is going to come along and nail you. His name is Satan. Uh, I was on my way home and I I don't like to run over animals. I don't like to run over people either. I don't (laughs) want to run over anybody, right? I (laughs) I don't want to run over nothing. I don't want to run over nothing. I mean, I don't even want to run over a caterpillar. And uh, changed oil the other day and a lizard got into the oil uh, thing and it was like, what am I going to do? i got to rescue this lizard. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't want to kill anything, but just something out of the corner of my eye, a blur. You know how when you're driving, just a blur? And I thought, well, what was that? Of course, I felt the bum, 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 boom, bum. Whatever that was, it was no more. <laughs> <laughs> so, I went back and saw it. It was a poor little raccoon. (laughs) So, he went out into eternity. He said, well, what has that got to do with this? Well, I I hope something, because I need to think of something. Uh, I'm trying to say that that little raccoon... Probably had been taught by mama raccoon Mm -hmm. don't do that. Right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a petting zoo where I live, Mm -hmm. and you'll see a mama deer and her babies, the doves when they had their stripes. No, their spots, excuse me. Uh, you know. so. The stripes, that's the, we have zebras. <laughs> no, wait a minute, we got zebras out there too. Uh, don't, y'all, listen, y'all y'all just don't know. Y'all just don't know. We got raccoons, we got zebras. But anyway you get my you get my point, but you'll you'll see the mother over there and she'll be looking at her babies and you can tell she's like and, you, you know, they make sounds. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't go out there. Mm-hmm. Get back over here. You see that little blue car that bald-headed guy's driving? He killed a coon yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that boy's a killer. He gets around. He gets around but in seriousness down here I got to grow you up because they even want to grab a hold of you and take you away that's what I'm trying to say to you. I'm just trying to get to you that what I do on Sunday seems it seems ridiculous in a way because it, the Bible calls it foolishness but if I can't get you grown up somebody will take you away and you, you love somebody right now that has been taken away you do you love them you love them. They've just been taken away. Whatever it is, the cares of the world, whatever. So, anyway, in the law it is written by people of strange tongues, and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even though they will not listen to me, says the Lord, thus tongues are a sign. Now it's getting I'm not doing that today, but that's a that's a whole discussion in the book of Corinthians. So thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Prophecy is both, can be foretelling, but it's generally proclaiming. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders and, or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Well, frankly, that's what they're saying anyway. That's the point I'm trying to make. But more importantly, I'm trying to make this point about coming together. What it says in verse 23. Look at verse 26 also. What then, brothers, when you come together? Now, um, I don't feel like I had to do this in the past, but I think I have to now. And you may say, well, what good does it do for you to tell us that? We, we're we here. <laughs> and, there, and that's a fair question. But I'm trying to tell you because you're going to be around people that are going to make the argument that they don't have to do this. They don't have to do this. They don't have to get out of bed on Sunday mornings. They don't have to do that. But just, just to kind of give you a logical way of thinking, What would happen if all of us had the same attitude? We wouldn't be there for Dana in the way we were. I'm not saying that other people don't come to funerals and funeral homes and other things and give people hugs. But there was something that took place there that only the assembly can produce. I want to stay with the word assembly, though, because I don't want to confuse this. I am not talking about everybody that's saved. I'm talking about the assembly. When we come together, why in the world do we do it? What is the purpose? So in verse 26, it says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, or a tongue, or interpretation." Now, that means that in the Corinthian church there was a lot of stuff going on. It was like, well, we've got some folks here. You get three or four of them together talking at the same time. Oh. It's just crazy. You and there way was way. a lot of craziness going on there. Here, we have good craziness. Our craziness is perfectly... Well, it's not perfectly. It's it's ex- well, it's not even acceptable. But It's us. Amen. It's us. We've learned to deal with it. And sometimes we even like it. And we've been known to even participate in it. But having said that, this was stuff here that was causing problems and division in the church. It'd be like one of my brothers getting up and saying, Well, I've got a sermon here. You sit down. It's causing problems. Uh, within the assembly. And that's not what I'm talking about here. But what I am talking about is when you come together. When you come together. Verse 26. When you come together. And uh, the latter part of verse 26. Let all be, things be done for building up. So one of the roles we have as a, an assembly is to build each other up, not to tear each other down. Right? So that, that's what being said. Now, Paul said this, which we ought to take note of. Let us not neglect the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. You know, he might have, there may have been a little problem there. You know, if we take that to mean, which I do, that there were some who were not assembling, and he called that neglect. Now, if I didn't go home at night, it'd be called something else. It wouldn't be neglect. It would be called a skillet on my head. But here, he's referring to, if they don't come together, that's neglectful. I think that's what's being said here. So, so let us assemble together. Let us not neglect that. As the matter of some is... But let us be mindful to assemble and to exhort each other, which we just read a few moments ago, to build each other up. Here it said to exhort each other even more as we see the day approaching. Well, what day is that? That's His coming. That's what's being referred to. So can we agree that we are bound to be closer to His coming than we've ever been before? Can we agree that there's something going on right now that nobody has an answer for? We can agree with that. Can we also agree, not to scare anyone, but this is scary, to know that some people, or one person in particular, has already had this again after already having it? Is it just possible That science will not, even though I hope it does, will not be able to solve this malady we find ourselves in right now. It is possible. So the assembly is supposed to look at the way things are and say, are we closer to his coming? And if we are, then we need to assemble. It's just common sense. It, it is. It's not. It's not rocket science. So, so when I have a believer who says to me something like, "Well, I'm a very spiritual person, and I consider myself to be a saved person," and I say to them, "So, where do you go to church?" I'm not saying they're not saved by the question, but I'm asking them, "So, where do you assemble? Where do you assemble?" Well, I don't do that. So what's at stake to this generation? Well, if 30 years from now, which I'll be 65 in 30 years. So in, if 30 years means that one-third of the churches, and I may have said that rather clumsily earlier, but one-third of the Southern Baptist churches that exist today will cease to exist. And there will be very few smaller churches, just mostly mega churches. What is is weighed in the balance? Well, a lot of things. A lot of things. First of all, everybody will not go to a megachurch. That's one. Two, it's easy to slip in and out in a megachurch, not become a leader of any sort. Three, it's going to mean that in our communities, there's not going to be any gospel witness where people are assembling. That is a big deal. What do... What did people want to see years ago when they went into a community? They want to see a hospital. Yeah. Hospital. And we have lots of them. They may be owned by the same hospital, but we have lots of hospitals. But they want to see churches. And they want to see schools. Schools. Nobody is more burdened for the people around them, or at least they should be, than a church that is planted in that community, which is a rather clumsily way of saying we care about Westover because it is our Jerusalem. There may not always be tangible evidence of that, and I admit of falling short in that. But to say that we do not care about this neighborhood is wrong. Because we do. But it will mean that there will be no steeple in those neighborhoods. There will be no constant reminder That there is something beyond this life. Now, the Bible says that when we gather together in the assembly, which is what Jesus went to. In fact, I went to one of the synagogues, and the word synagogue is the word synagogue, which means assembly. Uh, Jesus went to the assembly. It just makes sense, right? I mean, uh, when Jesus read the book of Isaiah, where was he? He was in the temple. It just makes sense that you would go into the assembly. I want to I I go talk to a group of people, not just an individual situation. And, and this is what's so bizarre about this. This idea that Christianity is, is my deal is ridiculous. It is not. There's nowhere in Scripture where Christianity is a rogue thing. Just about me. Now, individuals do the work of the assembly, but rarely do they do it without being connected to the assembly. Now, let me give you an illustration of this. When I go on disaster relief, how many of the folks that I'm out there with, with a chainsaw, they got some big old chainsaws too, men, mm-hmm. if you want them. And women too. Mm-hmm. Did y'all see that picture of me? They yeah. took a picture of those ladies with chainsaws. Mm-hmm. And how, how, many of, how many of the folks out there do you think are not connected to churches? None. 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 When Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Tell me how you're going to pull that off outside the assembly. Have you ever baptized anyone? Have you ever met anyone who told you, I don't go to church, I just go around baptizing people all the time? <laughs> can you baptize somebody in a creek? You can. You can't find them after you do, but you can. <laughs> You can do that. I've done that. I've been in a something. Something was biting my foot. I remember that. Day. <laughs> you can do that. But do you do that? No, you don't do that. Do you preach the gospel out here just walking around? Probably not. Probably not. Do you yourself? work at helping people to grow in the faith. Disconnected from the assembly? Probably not. Now, are there people that do that? Yes, there are parachurch organizations that do that, but they're generally connected to the assembly somehow. But my point in that is, how in the world can you do any of the things that Christ has commanded you and me to do by becoming disconnected from the assembly. Man, when we come together, we get conviction. How much conviction do we get away from the assembly? Not a whole lot. When we come together, we formulate ideas about what we need to be about. I mean, somebody will say to me, You know, Brother Stan, we... You know, yeah. Yeah. Next thing you know, we're doing it. If it's if it's a godly idea, we're doing it. We bear each other's burdens here. Mm-hmm. We lift each other's spirits. We laugh. We cry. We had a little cry in the last few days, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know who to call. And it's not Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you know this, but I just have to remind us all that this is, this is so important, I can't even think of a word for it or words for it. There's to be preaching and teaching and spiritual songs when you come together in the church. And Jesus went to the synagogue and, 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 and Paul went to the synagogue and the disciples went to the assembly. Where else would they have gone? How you doing in there? I just want to go to the assembly. That's where they went. The church, the assembly, is called the body of who? Christ, Christ, Christ. My grandfather never darkened the door of any church I'm aware of. He probably was dragged kicking and screaming when he was a little kid, and just for those of you who think that you shouldn't take your kids to church because someday they may turn against it, you are wrong. That's, right. That's correct. Yep. You are wrong. They're already on their way to hell. How can it be any worse? My grandmother did not as well. You know what I think. I don't think that means they weren't saved necessarily. I think it means this. They sure did miss some really, really good stuff. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I know the church is not perfect, you know. And you, this, is, this, is, this has always been the most amazing thing to me. People will say to me, Brother Stan, there's problems in the church. Sure. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> they don't think I know it. Really? They think I'm shocked by it. How would he know? Right. Oh, he knows. Mm-hmm. He knows. Of course, he knows. It's because some of those problems have turned against him. He knows. Some of those problems have entered my office. Some of those problems have met me in the hallway. I know. But that's short-sighted just to think that way. It's to miss something really precious. And that is that there's something that takes place here that can't take place sitting in front of a television watching Charles Stanley. I I like Charles and... uh, Dr. Stanley. I like him. He's he's a, he's a great man of God. I'm not impugning him at all. But I just say this to you. Get Charles Stanley to do your funeral. I remember I've had several people in my life tell me they, go, they wouldn't go to Bellevue. All right, well, go ahead on. Back in the day, get Dr. Rogers to do your funeral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dr. Rogers only did funerals for what I know of close personal friends yeah. and uh, leaders in the church. <laughs> well, it just makes sense, right? He couldn't do all those. I'm not picking on him. I like him. like him. He's with the Lord now. I'm just telling you something takes place in a small church. You know your pastor, your pastor knows you. That's right. You know you know he's he's on your side. That's uh, right. you know when you have a need, he'll he'll be there. You know you're not alone. That's right, amen. You know you don't have to go into the balcony and have somebody go After you've been there two years. It sure is good to see you. I hope you'll come back. (laughs) 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 We know. We know you and you know us. We may not do anything better than someone else. That's not why we're here. But we all have the same God. Amen. So, all I can say about people who don't think they should assemble is I am so sorry. I I am so sorry. Because you have chosen to miss the more special things that will ever happen this side of heaven. There's no place you can go at your house Mm -hmm. and see Mm -hmm. a nine-year-old come to faith in Christ and be baptized. There's no place you can go at your house, probably, Mm -hmm. and see a person who's sick with cancer being surrounded by a family of people that she's not even biologically related to, mm-hmm. who love her every bit as much as her own family. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's right. There's no place you can go, probably, and find acceptance like you can for right. right, church. That's right. No matter what. I'm going to say it anyway. People say, well, uh, the Wilmo Church are all mean and judgmental. Mm-hmm. I don't think so here. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. If they are, I don't know. You, you can tell me they are. I don't think so. I don't think so. So you see, I come, Christ commands me to come, but it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. You know, I get up on Sunday mornings and think about going to church. I'm excited to come. Mm-hmm. I'm excited, I'm excited to see people with hair. I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see people that have fallen the day before. I'm excited to see people. Excited to see people that, that as they've grown older, they don't remember your name anymore. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. Man, I'm excited to see him. Excited to see friends. Man, I'm excited. And so let me just say this: Yeah, you can be a Christian and not go to the assembly, but you're the poorer for it. You sure are. Let's pray today, Father. We thank you. It was your idea, not ours, so it's even more profound than I can think of today. And scripture sets forth the argument for the rationale of the assembly. Father, I pray for a generation that is losing something so precious they have no idea what they're losing. Father, I thank you that in my life I've experienced the robust grace of the people of God. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.